Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up August 18th through the 20th in Florida, just outside the most magical place on earth, Orlando. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio with your hosts, Jonathan and Stephen. This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, everybody. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with my good buddy, Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing today? I am blessed and excited. It's been a while. It's time to talk again. Yeah, we've, uh, we're going to share in a, in a later episode about an uh, incredible trip that uh, Stephen was able to go on with his wife, and um, we'll, we'll share that in another episode, but, <laughs> yes. but it's good to a have little, him back in a the little States, tease out good there. to have him back in the States, and, and we're excited to jump into another, um, another podcast here, and we're going to be talking about something that we talk about fairly often because it's, a, it's an event that we do regularly. It's our Gateway to Freedom Workshop, but man, we just gain... There's so many insights that come out of that. Yes. Guys guys learn stuff. And so we want to continue to be peppering you, our listening audience, with all of these insights because I hope one thing, if you're a regular listener, I hope you're realizing that there's such there's so many multiple layers to this healing and growth. And I mean, uh, if you think about it, Stephen, I mean, you and I we're we're no um, newbies to this journey, but are are you done learning? No, are you done and growing? It's exciting. Or? No, it's good. You you realize there's so much stuff you don't oh, know. Yeah. You keep going. So we want to keep bringing those insights. And so, Stephen, why don't you kind of share with us um, just kind of where we're going to go in this episode and some of the insights that that you received from uh, some of the gateway attendees yes actually this is just one guy and that's where i really like this opportunity we have that one gentleman said yes you can share my material now we never say names and we never you know tell somebody else's story but uh the gateway men are so gracious and they say if my a piece of my story will bless my brother then share it so this is one brother blessing many other brothers. And Jonathan and I are just given the opportunity to sort of be the mouthpiece or the spokesman delivering the message. But this is really brother-to-brother material. So I'm excited because, you know, I'm an emotional junkie. I love everything about emotions and how do emotional systems work. And so what we see a lot of is that 
the men that come to the Gateway Weekend, they overdo logic. Mm. Very logical, very problem solver, very fixer, very one, two, three, it ought to be done by now. Emotionally, uh, not so much. Mm -hmm. Sort of weak, sort of stunted. And wouldn't you say that a lot of times then in the weekend, really what you and the other counselors that are part of the weekend are spending so much time is redirecting guys toward that deeper emotional piece because it's so prevalent that guys just want to go, well, let me tell you what I think. Yes. Let me tell you my my thoughts on that. And yeah. you're constantly having to redirect into the emotional. And why, So what do you think are some of those key barriers that keep guys from going to Well, this guy has has given us permission to peek into his program. It's just a powerful program where it shows a little boy scared puts together a program to help him, but it's never designed for the rest of your life. But sometimes our old programs start young and we take them into adulthood and we don't realize why they don't work. Mm. And it's because we've talked about this before. You take a a roll-on of being a fixer, a doer, a problem solver. And we're not designed to be roles, and roles don't work well in relationships. You have to be present. You have to be still. You have to rest. You have to wait. You have to listen, right? Well, the other person kind of goes through their dialogue to figure out what is it they're trying to, st- to say, you got to stay while they try to say, you know, it's that dynamic right there. Well, I think, too, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, isn't it sad that we have, in some ways, without maybe intentionally doing this, we have almost pitted logic against emotion and emotion Mm. against logic. And if I hear what you're saying is, no, 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 we're trying to help a person dig into the emotional in order that they understand the relational dynamics that are so important in terms of building healthy relationships. It's not like you set your head aside at the door and go, well, I guess I'm entering relationship now. So it's got to be, you know, 100% feeling. It's all the, it's more of a, it's more integrated than that, wouldn't you say? And so what you're saying is we're trying to grow up the emotional self instead of just being all heady all the time. And the point is connecting, right? If all we're doing is problem-solving side-by-side, we're not connecting well. Mm-hmm. Because connecting means you listen to me as I tell you my story, and I'm probably struggling in my story, and you're not going to fix it. Can you just be there? And the other thing that's interesting about what you said is we separate logic and emotions. And you know what I think? I think emotions are very logical, I, mean, they, I remember the first time you said that, and I thought, nah, that doesn't make sense. Because, <laughs> again, I think it's that idea we've created this dynamic that they're opposed to each other. Yes. But explain what you mean again, because you've said that on a previous podcast, but I want our listeners to hear yeah, what you mean by that. But emotions are very patterned, right? If somebody's angry, they, they don't become a fun guy in five minutes and angry in five minutes. No, they're angry. They're irritated. They're short. They're very predictable. They're very routine. They're very noble if you want to know them. So there's a lot of logic involved because I mean consistency and order. That's what I mean when I say logic. And so if you want to map out someone, worriers always worry. And fearful people are always fearful. And, and negative people are always find the negative and angry. You know what I mean? And you right. think about it. There's, you could go into the chaos and order it. That's what I'm saying. 
So let's go on to what this guy says because it's going to kind of kind of put the the meat on the bones, if mm-hmm. you will, of this dialogue. Yeah. So he says, in the past, I used logic excessively. When someone told me a story, I would ask myself, well, what should I be feeling right now? Isn't that great? So he's going to use his brain and go, okay, you're talking, and I should act and feel a certain way while you talk. So let me try to figure it out mm-hmm. with my logic. Well, as I as I read that, I think, has he been reading my mail? Because that's, <laughs> I, I can relate to that. I remember I actually wrote it in my in my book, Secrets, um, when I got married. I remember thinking as we were driving away from the church, hmm. this thought literally came into my mind. I don't have a clue how to be a husband, but I could probably play the role. I could just so I started piecing together all of these scenes of from television or from my own home or whatever. Wow. But what does a husband look like? And it's like, well, I can play that role. And so it sounds like that's kind of what he's saying. He's yes. like, I don't really know how to tap into my own personal emotions, but what what would be the culturally or socially would, acceptable thing yeah, to feel? What right would now? it look like? What would somebody say who wanted to be emotional? I'll just use mm-hmm. that line. So he said, "What should I feel right now?" And then he said, I would then try to act the way I was supposed to be feeling. Isn't that great? Because you you look like you're there. You look like you're paying attention. But when the other person's talking, you're up in your head trying to figure out, what's my next move? What, what, what line should I say now? Everything is this very mechanical um you, you know, uh, a dance. Between, yeah, kind of, but it's yeah. a dance between you and I where I'm trying to maneuver and, and, and hold this image that makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of a stick figure shell, if you will, because when you want depth, when a wife wants depth, is she going to get depth out of this guy? Mm. She's going to get one or two answers. She's gonna, he's going to lock up and freeze if she gets complicated. If she, she, you know what I mean? If, if she says, okay, let's relax and, and flow into this. Like, what, what are you talking about, relax? So all my conversations were mechanical. I was full of logic and good spiritual answers. And I sounded smart and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Do you know these guys? I mean, you see church leaders that have all the right spiritual answers. But when you go up to them and ask them about life, they sort of go, uh, 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 they lock mm-hmm. up. Well, I, I, I've i lived this, Steve. So, I mean, <laughs> I can. <laughs> hey, I, can, I didn't bring this program but to point out very, you and your no, no, past, that's what I, think I really appreciate you yeah. being honest. Well, that's what I think is interesting here is I can identify personally with so much of this, especially the idea of being full of logic and good spiritual answers. Yeah. And what I've found in my own life, in my in my journey is, and I see this actually a lot in, in a lot of people that get into either church ministry or full-time ministry in some kind of way, is sometimes those spiritual answers, even if they're correct, they become a way to guard against deeper questions of your life personally. In other words... To stay in a dialogue, a spiritual dialogue. Yeah, take, for example, let's say a wife comes to her husband and is sharing about her day and says, you know, this is really what was happening to me, and and I really felt this way, and and, uh, what do you think about that, you know? 
and she's asking, she's actually, she might, she, she might be saying, what did you think about this? But really, she's asking for an emotional connection Right, but there. she's saying, I'm, I was scared today or lonely yeah. or sad today, which is reasonable. And then he would and do so what? And so then he can, he can think, you know, I'm going to give the Bible verse and yeah. the talk, the, you know, the idea about, um, you know, there's fear not, you yes. know, and Psalm 56, three, when I'm afraid I'll trust in you. And these are all correct. But what it does in terms of the emotional connection is it doesn't, it immediately cuts her off from pursuing him any further in terms of his emotional. Right. Con- she stopped you know. talking to him, right? Yeah. Because so it's he has a way, a Bible answer. and sometimes I think what he's recognizing here is, I'm now, I'm now putting a definition to what I was doing. He might not have even been seeing that that's what no, he was doing the in the time. At yeah, the time. that's right. But he's got a good, he's an adult. He has to have a good answer, a smart answer, and and a Bible answer is the best, right? Mm-hmm. Because it makes you look spiritual, godly. But there's no depth if all you can do is say, the Bible says, fear not. Your wife says, I'm afraid. The Bible says, fear not. Right. The conversation's over, right? That's it. Exactly. She goes, I think I'll talk to somebody else. Right. You know? So he said, my answers were shallow, and I was confused and divided because I knew it wasn't really working in I wanted to be present, but I didn't know how to be present. I saw other people have greater depth, but I didn't know how to have that depth. So in marriage, I was always acting and talking in a way that I thought would please my wife. Mm. I thought if I could just please my wife, then it's going to be okay. So I'm going to use my logic, and I'm going to be a little boy pleaser. Think about that. I'm going to have good, strong answers, but I'm going to be, what makes you happy? What do you need? Are you okay? I'm going to be- You know what? And as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is this is much more indicative of a parent-child dynamic than a husband-wife dynamic. Mm. Because um, a husband-wife dynamic does not have this idea of saying- here I'm going to come to you and essentially put myself. I'm less than. I'm. I'm little. I'm small. I'm. I'm not your equal. You know those kind of things. That's a. That's a child. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. No. I'm saying that in just that's the dynamic emotionally that I think he's adopting there, which is essentially saying, I just need to be in this this mode of evaluating and figuring out exactly what everything that's going to please her, and then I'll because play if I that please role. you then you'll think I'm good and important and valuable, right? Yeah. So it's it half works, right? When you're dating and he pleases you, oh, that's great. But at some point, she's going to turn and say, okay, knock off the pleasing me. Now, let's go back and forth. What pleases you? Yeah, because this is one of those things, as I'm, as I'm hearing it and seeing it here, this is really so disingenuous to your own person, you know, in other words, it's it's saying, I'm going to, again, put on the role yes. that I think you want. And what's that doing? That's that's creating more division because a husband and wife are to be able to be, as the as the Bible puts it, one, naked and unashamed. Yeah. There's a there's a connection there that goes deeper. But listen to this line based on what you just said. Uh you know how when you were talking about how only he could only be half there and 
and not authentically there, fully there. He said, I would even violate myself to please my wife. I would minimize myself. I would shut my voice down. I would do whatever it took because I wanted to be pleasing to her because I thought if I was pleasing, she would like me and want me, and then I would be safe, Mm -hmm. that I would even violate. And I I don't think he means cut myself or beat myself, but withhold, cheapen, minimize, have no voice. I would shut up and be out there for her. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I hear that, I, the first thing that pops into my head is this this notion that has sometimes permeated through the church that's, that takes this kind of an idea and says, well, isn't that noble? I mean, isn't that kind of sacrifice noble? And I think, no, that's not at all what the Bible actually teaches about sacrificing for mm. one another. It's not saying... I'm going to, in essence, be dishonest before you about who I am and then present myself as something that I'm not in order to try to please you. Yes. That is not the way we are meant to. I mean, even when Philippians 2 talks about consider others' needs more important than your own, it's saying you actually have your own needs that are important. You're just to consider others as more important than your own. Mm. So there's a self-care that's still right. and a and a and a truthfulness to your to yourself that's important to share with others as well. And and how are you going to have a whole relationship if one of you tries to shrink and one of you, there's only room for one of you to be pleased, right? It doesn't become a whole relationship. Right. Because he said I spent my whole life trying to sound smart with my logic and my Bible, and tried to be pleasing to my wife so that she was happy and pleased. And do you hear how fake that is? I got to sound smart, and I got to be pleasing, and I got to sound smart and not, not mess up, and then make sure she likes me and she's happy. And isn't that the foundation of an addiction right there? Well, at the very least, it's a foundation of losing a sense of yourself. Yeah, that's because right. No self, no be, value. Well, and no understanding of yourself because you've probably played so many roles in so many different contexts that there's a certain point at which you go, okay, which one is the facade here and where did the real me actually go? I can speak from personal experience on that because you're right. It does, I think, then lend itself towards addictions because we want some relief yes. from the confusion from and being the division. Smart all the time or good all the time and smart all the time and shrinking up and making you big and me small. And I have to sound s- s- smart and I have to keep you happy. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is over time, as the layers upon layers of those roles come on, then it is, when you play a role for so long, you actually can be deceived yourself mm. into thinking that that is actually who you are. That's true. So you kind of lose your sense. you know, really, You lose your sense saying. of identity. Yeah. yeah. So he said, if I failed, if I ever failed, I would beat myself up. Because this program was supposed to work. Mm. Be smart, have the answers, and make your wife happy. Keep her happy. Even if you have to sacrifice yourself, keep her happy. Her happiness is the most important thing. But do you understand how a wife would want a whole real person, not an answer man who's trying to be a servant 
just serve you, just serve you. Uh, you. We need sort of an equal to engage on difficult matters. What do you think about this? This is what I'm thinking. Let's process together. Oh, no, I got to tell you smart things and I got to make sure you're happy. And when I fail, the third component is I beat myself. And really, that's the other foundational piece when you talk about an addiction. Mm-hmm. I have to perform well. I have to be pleasing. I must never fail or I have to beat myself. Yeah, then there's the shame. That's the shame aspect that then comes out. Um, is this this idea that, yeah, I am I am despicable and therefore I need to beat myself up. So then where does this guy eventually go? Like what are the insights that he's gained? So he says, now I've got some new information and tools. And now I, when my wife starts talking or someone else, I ask myself, what am I actually feeling? Or what emotions is the other person saying? You know, and I, I use these three lines, mad, sad, glad. I mean, three emotions, mad, sad, glad. So, so he, he says, I ask myself, um, am I hearing sadness? Or is the other person mad? Or are they glad? Mm-hmm. Because if you recall, we did one episode where a guy said, I don't know what to feel. But I kind of know what anger is. So I make everything either anger or not anger. <laughs> so then I need a pathway to go down, right? Right. And that's what this mad, glad, sad thing is. Is Are they mad? The world doesn't treat them right. It's not fair. I got passed over. I don't have friends. Everybody's going out but not me. Are they, are they mad or are they sad? You know, I wish... Um, life was better, and I wish I had more money, and I wish I had better friends. I wish I could talk. I wish I, I would. Sort of sad. Or are they going? Wow, you can't believe what happened to me today. Oh my God! Wow, it was you. Could, it was great. You know, it's glad. Mm-hmm. And so he's now saying, I'm staying out of my old program, and I'm listening to their emotions, and then I'm thinking, not what should I be feeling, but, but what am I feeling? What am right. I feeling? And, you know, I think as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is there's a there's a type of an awakening that I think happens here in the in the same way that when a person has been immersed themselves in the lying that occurs with addiction, Mm. the the perpetual, the perpetual lying and deception, that there is a similar kind of awakening that has to happen where a person is learning to tell the truth. And I know that sounds crazy because we think, well, the truth is the truth, right? But if you've been so used to lying, that's been the way that you've communicated all the time, even about things you don't, quote unquote, have to lie about. Mm. It's a it's a process to then learn to tell the truth. And I feel like this is a similar kind of thing of what happens emotionally here. Hey, I've I've been so used to. Have the smart answer. Be the pleaser. Make it fit the role based on the context that I'm in that it can be a while for you to go, what am I actually feeling? Not what should I be feeling or what does somebody yes. else mean, but what am I actually feeling? So I think there's a there's a learning curve on just being able to recognize that. And I think the mad, sad, glad is a good tool to help initialize that yeah, learning the beginner curve. to say yeah. okay let me slow it down and put it in one of these buckets so he said before i was operating out of a false identity be smart be pleasing never fail be smart be pleasing never fail 
that false identity created all kinds of havoc. And so now I'm going slow. I'm trying to really feel. I'm seeing myself as just a regular guy. And I'm trying to learn this idea of processing and walking through feelings and emotions and being present not hiding, running away, but sort of trying to be useful in the world of emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, uh, that's probably a bigger step than than we're even highlighting here because that's a major, major uh, breakthrough, you know, just to be able in to... In shift of thought. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, I was divided, empty, and stuck. I was tired of being a pleaser. My logic had run out. My pleasing wasn't working, and I was failing. And then I went to a Gateway to Freedom weekend, and I got my eyes opened. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we love to see at the workshop is when guys kind of have what we call the aha moments. It's like there's a breakthrough, not not an aha moment like, oh, I gained the new intellectual understanding the aha moment of, oh, I see what I've been doing. I, I see where the the gaps have been. I see where emotionally I've been stunted. I see where my 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 growth in emotionally got off track or got stunted or got completely stifled. And those are exciting to see because you realize that no matter where you are on the journey, there's always hope for growth. And it's fun to see that because I think some guys have gotten so into their pattern that they think this is just the way I'm going to be the rest of my life. They don't realize that there can be, there can be this kind of awakening and and new growth. So he says, I've made a shift in my mind and what I'm telling myself, not the false identity anymore, but I'm practicing true identity in Christ. I'm living out my Christ identity. So now there are going to be people out there going, well, what does that mean? Right. You know, what do you mean live out your Christ identity? Because he was living out his like boyhood, early trained, false identity that was breaking him down. I mean, if you think about it, this is the kind of guy that found some porn to to make himself happy to escape because the false identity is too heavy. So what's true identity? What would Mm -hmm. you say true identity. What do you think his thoughts might be if he was going to walk in true identity? I think a major thing is if you if you recognize that we are not here by accident, meaning there is an origin to our existence and that origin is found in our creator God. Then that creator, he has the right to speak into us, into our existence, the value and the worth and the identity that we have. So when we pick up the word of God, and we realize that he says, you know what, you're beloved, you are cherished, you are embraced, you are, when you are in my hand, there's nobody that can take you out, you belong. Mm, I mean, all those good. kinds of words, that's the true identity that he's now living out of, because that's what's found in Christ. And so that whole idea, uh, you know, I summarize it in oneness, mm-hmm. right? Connecting. What's the point of connecting? To be one. Right. So he says, I'm listening to my wife, really listening and connecting and practicing oneness. And I'm not making this about my old identity, but I'm trying to figure out things and use my gut 
and the feelings that have been shut off, but God gave me so that I can practice oneness better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you realize the goal is not trying to figure out what's going to um, fit the role that somebody else expects, but that you realize it's about it's about honesty and really building healthy relationships, yeah. then all of a sudden you realize, hey, this can be kind of messy. This can be confusing, but we can be messy and confused together. Yes. <laughs> you know, instead of I'm going to continue to isolate and try to figure things out through just this pure logic, mm. you know, standpoint and then give you and then just kind of spit out like a machine the answer that I think you want. Instead, it's much more connected than that. It's okay to say, I don't know what's going on right now. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm struggling. Those are all okay things to say when you're unpacking your emotional self. And he said, I'm reflecting back what my wife is saying to me. Mm. And how would that change the dynamic? Old him, scripture, and pleasing. Right. But the new him is saying, I'm the processor here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you back what I think you just told me. I want to try to capture the feelings that you're sharing with me so you can do whatever we need. Well, and that definitely enriches the dialogue and keeps the communication open. Uh, listeners, I really want to encourage you to take um, you know, Steve's little tools here about mad, sad, and glad. If you're really just kind of on the front end of this awakening of trying to figure out your emotional self, that's a great way to be in, begin to kind of learn what you're feeling. The other thing, too, is if you're... Um, uh, if you're intrigued about our Gateway to Freedom workshop, uh, I want to let you know we've actually got a new one that's launching in uh, Orlando, Florida. It's actually going to be later this month. And so if you want to learn more about that, just go to gatewaymen.com. And we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.